Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fourth and One podcast. I am your guest host today, Austin. Uh, I'm here for the second time, and with me is a confusingly named Kiran, who on this app at least shows up as Rishi. Um, he'll be our guest host today. Say hello to everyone, Kiran. Hey there, Austin. How you doing? Uh, yeah, I am taking over for Rishi's account or whatever, I guess. So I'm showing up as Rishi. I don't do this in real life. No point, really. Um, uh, like, I think you mentioned it at some point when we were talking, our bum bum guest host, or bum host, yeah. I should say. Uh, Regular host. Rishi, two weeks in a row. Yeah. Two weeks in a row no. just deciding to you know, take a vacation for, yeah. for no reason whatsoever. At the end of the season, when everything's getting heated up, um, maybe they're yeah. just focusing on their teams. I don't know. Yeah. They both made playoffs. So, you know, if, if it works, it works, I guess. Whatever it does. Whatever it takes. With us today, we have a special uh, guest host, a new guest host who's never been on here before. Uh, I'll give you a hint. He's a doctor. It was not Ashok or Toby, but uh, he's great in the hospital and in the and in the fantasy world. Uh, I'd like to give it up. You can introduce yourself at any point. All right. Thanks, Austin. Always such a kind, kind human and, and such a flattering, um, unjust introduction. But hi, guys. My name is Faisal Masood. I'm a uh, I'm a physician here in the Milwaukee area, um, a recent transplant. I'm excited to be on this podcast. I'm honored, humbled. Uh, I'm going to have a separate conversation with Rishi later about how it took him till episode 17 to invite me on here, but that's going to be a separate conversation. In all honesty, I was very hesitant to come on here from the beginning. I told him I don't think I have a lot to offer, but the more I think about it, I think my perspective can be unique in the sense I'm not ingrained constantly in the fantasy world. And two out of my three teams made the playoffs, uh, beating our very own Kieran by a couple points to get into the sixth seed. So, you know, I feel like there is some justification behind the stuff I'm going to say today. So I'm excited to be here. That's true. So, Thanks, so Faisal. there's two things, and for any, two th- two okay, things okay. I want to point out real quick. Um, <laughs> one, Faisal is truly being humble. He, uh, whether or not you know it, Faisal uh, has a cardiology fellowship, so he's going to become Mr. Big Shot in a few years. Uh, Mr. Big Shot cardiologist, you know, dropping his car off at the valet, and, and you know what? Um, so congratulations, Faisal, on that. Um, and then the second thing I want to point out is, you know, I think we talk about in this podcast, like rivalries and like nemesis and stuff like that. I think in real life, like if you actually look in real life, I know we talk a lot about me and Nardo being like nemesis. I think in real life, though, me and Faisal are actually like, like if you ever see our group text threads or just whenever we're golfing <laughs> with each other, it's like nonstop trash talk between us. It's it is. really good. Um, but it's, it's friendly, too. So, you know, it's a little bit of both. No, it's it's for sure 100%, 1,000% friendly. But, yeah, the rivalry exists on the court. On the golf courses in FIFA, um, in in real life when we're to, around each other, so no, it's fun. It keeps us competitive, engaged, makes everything more fun. I just want to quickly add for anyone out there who's listening and wants to be uh, on the podcast and is a little bit worried, if Rishi and Nardo can do this weekend and week out, anyone can do it. <laughs> so don't let that stop you from being on this podcast. <laughs> Definitely I've, true. I was also promised a thousand dollars after this for my appearance. <laughs> That's on Rishi. That's oh. not us. <laughs> Go hound him. He might actually give it to you. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so with that, uh Kieran, you wanna take us away? Yeah, so um I think I think we're going to start off, right, it's it's a little bit of week, it's, you know, it's week uh, 15, right, so playoffs are here for fantasy football, we're also getting to that spot where you're seeing a bunch of teams compete for, just in the NFL, for playoff seating, playoff spots, um, you're seeing, I think officially two teams got eliminated from playoff contention, although there's probably a few more that, you know, everybody knows are eliminated already, you know, like the Bears, unfortunately, Um so with that said, are there any teams um, – I'll, I'll send this to you, Faisal. Are there any teams, AFC or NFC, that you feel like should de- – or will definitely make the playoffs or you feel like are really rising going into the playoffs? 
or teams that you're surprised that are still in the hunt for the playoffs? That's a great question. I think the AFC is so crowded and, and that was one of the questions I was going to ask you guys is, uh, you know, who do we think are the favorites to win the whole thing? Because I think those two questions are kind of related and that's why I think NFL is the best sport of all the major sports hand down because it's competitive. And I think this year more than any, there's no one team that stands out. I think they're all so competitive and any given Sunday, literally other than the Jags and the Jets, I feel like any team has a shot to win. (laughs) (laughs) And the Lions, I mean, I think the Lions are more competitive than them. They're more fun to watch. The Lions. So, okay. So just as a preface, Jags and Jets are eliminated. Texans, Houston Texans also eliminated. And then obviously the finally got a win Lions also eliminated. Um, so four teams so far eliminated. A few more probably on the brink of elimination, especially in the NFC with their records, with the Bears at four and nine and the Giants as well. Um, kind of to answer your question though, Faisal, so – a little bit of both, right? I, I think the Chiefs are actually in a perfect position. Um, you know, they're it's one of those things where good teams generally tend to maybe they stumble a little bit, but they generally tend to find their way, especially as the season gets going and they really need to get wins stacked together. And you're seeing that happen with the Chiefs. Um, the other one is you know, the Patriots, obviously, they've been winning, what, like five or six of the last games or whatever, six-game winning streak or whatever it is. Um, I actually called that with Nardo. So when we were talking before our podcast, I said to Nardo, like, hey, look, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the Patriots at the top of the AFC pretty soon. Uh, only because, again, this is all Belichick, right? Like three rushes against Buffalo and they managed – or three – sorry, three passes <laughs> against Buffalo and they somehow managed to win that game. I mean, it's just – There's no, kind of like you said, there's no, I don't think there's any dominant teams. Um, And so I think that's leading to who's doing a better job of coaching. I don't know. Austin, what do you think? No, I I agree. I was, I think it was after um, the Chiefs bye week. uh, There was like a stat about Andy Reid being like 23 and three or something like that after bye weeks. I don't know how many years he's been in the league, but he's lost three three games. Um, And I was thinking about like, you know, every year when we look at, playoff teams it's like it's the teams that are good in november december uh that are really potent and effective in the playoffs especially since you get like teams that like the steelers back in the day i remember they went to the the year that they won the super bowl in like oh seven or whatever it was in the 2000s like they were a um wild card team that snuck in they end up winning it all um, the Packers, a few times that they've been to, they've gotten deep in the playoffs. They've been wild card teams. It's like the teams that would like reel off three, four, five wins in a row at the end. Um, so I think that the Patriots are in a good place. I honestly don't think they have enough to win uh, or make the Super Bowl at the very least. I think being the one seed, if they can remain in that spot, they have a good shot of making at least the FC Championship game. But I don't think they have enough tools to win. If other teams play well, um, I think Belichick is great at managing the game, and that's why we've seen, you know, a six-game win streak or whatever it is. <clears throat> but I think teams like, I mean, I'm surprised that the Chiefs, that the Titans are still in it. To be honest, losing Derrick Henry and they're still the number two seed, same record as the Patriots. But honestly, I think it's it's probably like the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Colts are at least for me my favorites in the AFC right now. Just winning right now, playing good football. Uh, other than the Colts, I think the other two have kind of figured out their identity as a team. Um, but, you know, I think any of those three teams, as long as they stay hot, I think they can beat anyone uh, on any given Sunday. Uh, I agree with you, Austin. I'm shocked by, A, what the Patriots are doing. Uh, I when After they traded Gilmore, I was like, okay, I feel like Belichick is my tank. I, I honestly felt that way. I was like, why would you get rid of one of your best corners? But this is what Belichick does. He, he, And then they went on this insane run. But I agree with you. I think I can't – it's hard to believe the Patriots are going to pull this off, even if they get a bye. You're, I'm going to have to see it to believe it with Mac Jones. And just they don't – I feel like have enough playmakers. But Belichick surprised us before. I think that Rams win in 0-1. I still remember watching that game. I, I don't remember many playmakers on that team. And after that, you know, we – 
discover Brady, et cetera. But to go back to Kieran's initial question that I think he asked 30 minutes ago to me <laughs> <laughs> about which team <laughs> I think on the bubble can make a run. You know, I love the Bengals. I don't know. I don't feel like they have all the talent it takes, but I'm rooting hard for them. I, I like Joe Burrow. I think he's a real deal. Jamar Chase, I think Mixon is finding holes and that defense has played well. Um, you know, that's not my analytical answer. That's just who I'm rooting for on the bubble. But I, I like the Colts. I think if you're going to give like a analytical answer to, to get one of those playoffs, it's just because they have Taylor. They got a great running game. They got a great line and their defense is playing well. Uh, but I'm exciting. I'm excited to see how all of this turns out. I think the playoffs are going to be amazing. As long as the Packers don't win, I'm going to be happy. So that, that's 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 the goal. I, I think there's an agreement on that. I think everybody's going to, except for Rishi, obviously, will be hoping the Packers don't do well. I, I I'm going to say this. So I'm a little bit surprised um, by the fact that the the Patriots, the I guess the non-belief in them, or maybe not necessarily the non-belief, but just you know. I, I guess the thinking that I mean they they beat the Bills they beat the Titans they beat the Chargers. we're not good like they beat, the Bills are not good the Bills do oh, not look that good right all. right okay fine but like they beat the Titans and they beat the Chargers two teams that you like to yeah to to advance so that that's kind of why I was saying like I'm surprised that that you know because they, they've already beaten them once and they've shown that they can handle these close games. With good teams, I mean, I guess the Titans was a blowout, but the Chargers was a 27-24 game. They've shown that they can handle kind of close games with them, so I'm a little bit surprised by that. But I will say, um, as far as Faisal goes with um, the Colts, I do kind of like that because Frank Wright, I like him as a coach. Um, I feel like he does a really good job of making sure that his team never thinks they're out of it. And for a team that always seems to just come back every time, right? It's a different, it's not the same way the Patriots do, right? The Patriots are always kind of lurking, but the, the Colts are always like that comeback kid, right? Like that just, I don't know where, like, where the heck do they come from? And I feel like a lot of that is the Frank Wright in them. Like, so I actually, if, if they get hot, especially going into the playoffs with, with Taylor going off um, and Wentz looking, you know, like he can actually play football now instead of being on the sidelines all the time. I could definitely see that. I mean, Faisal, like the Colts, I, the one thing I don't see, like, I, I get it. You you like the Bengals, fine, whatever. Um, for me, not only do I like the Colts, but they would be my, you know, kind of like you said, like the want to win team um, out of the teams that are in the AFC. Yeah. I think I'm with you on that too. Um if I was to go back, I was looking at the bubble again. Honestly, I don't know why the Browns aren't better than they are, um, but they have been winning a few games recently, especially if Lamar is stays hurt. I think the Browns have a shot too. I think they're built for the winter. I think they're built for the playoffs. Like Good O-line, running backs. Their defense can show up, and when they do show up, has been pretty lights out. They've had a couple bad games, I think, I mean, they've had good games, too, against bad teams, but I, that defense is pretty scary when it's on. I, so here, I, I will agree with you. The defense is good, right? But Baker Mayfield is not, and they do not have they just a need to, game at all. Like, it's, they, it's, it's Patriots-level, like, hey, Baker, just throw three passes. Let's let the defense and the running game take care of this. Except I don't think they're nearly as good as the Patriots are as – uh, at, at scheming and, and doing that kind of no. thing. So I don't, that's where I think they're going to fall apart, right? They might be able to win a game. But I just don't think that they can win more than one game oh, yeah. doing what they do. Whereas I think the Patriots could win. I, I'm not saying the Patriots could get the championship or anything like that, but I think the Patriots could go deeper than the Browns would. Oh, I agree. No, it was just of the bubble teams. I was like, you know what? That's an interesting pick. I think they could, they could make a run. They could win one or two games, make it exciting, but you're right. I, I think, Almost all the bubble teams have like deeply fatal flaws in the AFC at the very least. Usually uh, with either their quarterback or their coaching or both. No, I, I okay, thousand, so let's thousand oh, percent agree. And I think Browns, the last, the only thing I would say is Browns were, I think one of the teams that people were picking to win the whole thing just because of how talented they looked on paper. 
Um, but I think there is a rumor out there or, or theory, I should say, that Baker threw that pick six and went in for the tackle, injured his shoulder, hasn't been the same since. Um, and, you know, they've had Chubb out, Hunt out. So that, that's a team that if they get healthy and, and Baker gets a little little healthy, they can definitely – they have the talent for it. And if they keep running the ball, they can definitely uh, make some noise. Okay, so speaking of running the ball, let's talk about the NFC because I'm looking at the NFC playoff and I actually see the Buccaneers in the two seeds. So I was thinking of Leonard Fournette um, or as they call him, Lombardi Lenny, obviously. Um, so let's let's talk about it because I feel like the NFC – Definitely a little bit more loaded at the top um, as far as records go anyway. So you've got Packers, Bucks, Cardinals, Cowboys, Rams, 49ers. Those are the top six in order. Um, and then you've got um, Washington football team, believe it or not, in the seventh spot, which technically would give them a wild card spot, um, which is astonishing to say with Tyler or Taylor Heineke that they're even in playoff contention. Um and then on the outside looking in, you've got the Vikings, Eagles, Falcons, and Saints all at six and seven as well, tied with Washington for record. So really a lot of teams for that seven spot um, kind of kind of in contention. But let me get your thoughts. You know, you've got Packers, Bucks, Cardinals, Cowboys. Those are the top four. Anything you see, or even if you want to talk about the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan, I know that's Rishi's favorite topic. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll give that one to you, Faisal. <laughs> well, I, I will say I, I hate what I'm about to say is uh, I really like the Vikings. And I know we play on Monday night. That's why I hate saying it. But they are so off. They're so threatening our offense. You know, they've got Thielen, Jefferson, Dalvin Cook just went for 200 yards coming off, you know, an injury. And Kirk Cousins is putting up some numbers. I mean, if you go look at him, he was – he had better numbers than Rodgers coming into last week. And they beat Green Bay Packers, which I hate to say it, but if you're going to pick a team that's been dominant this year, it would be the Packers. So Okay, so so let me ask you this, though, because I'm a little bit surprised that you would say Vikings, only because from a coaching perspective, like I guess let me ask you this then. How do you feel about Mike Zimmer? Because I feel like from a coaching perspective, I don't think – I don't know how much buy-in that the players have into Mike Zimmer. Like I, I agree. Kirk Cousins is throwing the ball really well this year. Right. So it's the problem is not Kirk Cousins anymore. Right. Like they can try to blame it on Kirk Cousins all they want, fine, whatever. But this year he's been playing about as lights out as you can expect him to play. And I feel like the issue is Mike Zimmer. And I don't feel like that team is executing very well. Um, and I feel like they should be better than the six and seven that they are now. Um, so I'm surprised. How, how do you feel about Mike Zimmer? Why, why is is it just purely the it's, players and you feel like Mike Zimmer won't matter? It's not about the coach. It's about the circumstance. And, I mean, they're, they're six and seven, so they're not a good football team right now. But they're sitting at eighth spot and Washington's a six and seven. So that's what what it's about, you know, is is can they make the playoffs? And Washington, yeah, Rivera's good, but they don't have, uh, you know, a legit quarterback and enough weapons. And then Eagles, Falcons, Saints. Um, yeah, Saints have a – you know, talented head coach, but uh, in Sean Payton, but they again are lacking talent at the quarterback level. So, yeah, I'm not the biggest Zimmer fan, but can he get this team to eight and eight, you know, nine and, you know, seven, and now with the 17 games, even more? But uh, I think that's it. But yeah, I don't really so believe Zimmer will get them to the promised land, but is the team talented enough to make the playoffs? Yeah, I think so. In a, in a poor NFC. Let me ask you this then, Austin. Um, I'm going to ask you this question then. What do you think – Do you, which one – I guess this is a loaded question because obviously the quarterback matters the most. But uh, the talent or the coaching, let me ask you that. That lets uh, – obviously exclude quarterback, right? Quarterback is obviously the most yeah. important position in the NFL. Talent on – you know, and all the other skill positions, offensive line, defensive side of the ball. Talent that you have on the team – versus the coaching that you have, um, which one do you feel like is going to impact more as far as – maybe not necessarily you know winning a championship, but, I mean, if you want to go there, you can. But it just as far no, as making the playoffs. I'll say almost unequivocally, I will say coaching is more important. Unless you're an all-time great quarterback, coaching matters far more. Like, you can look – like, we were just talking about the Browns. The Browns are very talented. 
their coaching has been suspect over the years. They're, they shouldn't be a 6-7 and seven team or a 7-6 and six team on paper. Um, talk about the Rams. Like, I mean, granted, they did win this week to kind of right the ship, but they're a supremely loaded team, favorites before the season to win it all. Um, and their defense looks like a mess. Their offense is disjointed at times. Sometimes it's like, oh, this team can like score 40 on you, and sometimes you're like, I don't know if they can hit 20. Um, so, so you're not a think, buyer or believer in McVay then, uh, being this, you know, wonderkin genius that he just kind of lucky or. Okay. Th- this is kind of a hot take, but I think he's a, just a better version of Nagy where he's like, wow. he's an offensive mind. He's, he has like cool gizmos and tricks. And I think it's just a matter of people figuring him out. I think, especially in that Super Bowl against the Patriots, like if I'm being honest, on paper, the Patriots should have lost if you take away coaches. And if you watch the game, you're like, there's no way the Rams were ever in that game. They were just like completely um, stuffed in every aspect of the game. So well, I think that's, Faisal, that's one part. Yeah, I got to just challenge Austin. He's such a nice guy. I hate it, but I got to bring some heat into this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> because I completely disagree. You know, talent... Trump's coaching, the only exception, I believe, is Belichick. And the simple example and the simple facts that I'll bring to the table is just tell me the last 10 quarterbacks that have won a Super Bowl. And it's not the coaches. If you just think about last year and Bruce Arians, right, and Tom Brady, he had um, uh, Winston right before then, and they were barely a playoff team. And Brady comes in a talent. I mean, Brady's also the GOAT. We get it. I'm willing but, to give you Brady. I'm willing to give you Rodgers. What Rogers. about Mahomes? I'm willing to give you a Hall of Fame quarterback. But, but that's what, what about I, Nick Foles? Nick Foles? Well, <laughs> okay, fine. You you got one lucky. Nick God Foles, knows what happened. Joe Flacco, there. Eli Come Manning, Nick, Joe Flacco. But there's the very few exceptions. And but I just say, if you had to pick, you'd pick talent because even with good coaching, it's hard to win in this league, and you need exceptional coaching. Well, and those okay, guys, so, you know, that's but, why coaching. But that's what. But we said uh, Sands the quarterback, though, right? Like, obviously, we understand the quarterback is the most important position. If you've got the GOAT on your team, right, obviously, that's a huge leg up, right? Versus, well, I guess unless you have Nick Foles, right? The GOAT's kryptonite. But, like, that's literally – we know that the quarterback is going to matter more, right? If I've got Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, that's probably going to matter more. But if if you take out – like, let's say you take out the quarterback aspect, right? I just think this is a flawed question. I I, I just feel like you can't have one without the other. You just can't. And and it's rare. I'll I'll make it a little bit easier maybe for Faisal to argue against me. I would say I would rather have a good coach than a good quarterback. I'd rather have a great quarterback than a great coach. But I'd rather take a good oh. coach over a great, good quarterback. Yeah, but look at what's happening with Sean Payton. Okay. Well, how do you feel about that? He's regarded as a quarterback guru. He's regarded yeah. as a great coach. He's got so many QBs to pick from, and, and they're struggling. Well, well, I mean, yeah, you know, one gets yeah. injured. He plugs in another one. He, he loves I, Hill for some reason. Paid him 20 That team is not a team. good team. I mean, that's the they, biggest They were a playoff team last problem. year, weren't they? I mean, they're still six they and seven. Have- they're still in playoff contention right now. Technically, they're tied with with Washington as far as record goes. So, yeah. I mean, they're technically still in the playoff hunt right now. Their defense is good. I will say this though: I think it's hard for them, right? Because the offense that you designed for Jameis Winston versus the offense that you designed for Taysom Hill, plus not having Michael Thomas, who is taking up twenty million dollars of their cap space. I think yeah. those are two really big things for them. They don't have a wide receiver catching the ball, right? If you they had don't. Michael That's Thomas, the there, I think. I think it's a different situation for Jameis Winston, right? Because I think we've seen, yes, this, was Jameis not – he wasn't the best in, in Tampa Bay, right? Obviously, you know, th- part of the 30 for 30 club, you know, 30 picks, you know, plus 30 touchdowns. But I think he was doing well enough not having any receiving weapons in New Orleans, especially for year one of what he was doing, right? And so it kind of sucks that he got that injury because you didn't really get to see how he would progress through the season, because I feel like that also is another thing that you would get to see maybe if Sean Payton could do that. Because the fact that they are at six and seven right now with Taysom Hill as their quarterback, I mean, what I don't know what they have that would justify them being at six and seven, especially in a division that has the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? 
and in this loaded okay. NFC as well. Here is my trump card for why Sean Payton is a great quarterback. Does anyone want to guess how many touchdowns to interceptions Winston has thrown this year? It's really good. I, th- I know it's really good. It's uh, 14 to 3. His woo-hoo! best year before that was 28 and 18. He has yet to go a season without throwing at least 11 picks. And I mean, granted, it was seven games, but he three picks through seven full games. But what was his record? I, I, I don't think he, I mean, if, and if you did the eye test, he didn't look good. He was struggling. Well, I, think, so, I think he had five touchdowns the first game against the Packers. So if you take out that yeah. five, he's nine and three in six games, which is, it's well, okay. Still, I mean, still good for Jameis Winston. Yeah, yeah. that's true. And because like, I, I, so when did when did he tear his ACL? Was it week seven or what week was? I it? think it was against his former team. If I'm remembering, against the Bucks, against but. the Buccaneers. Okay, so he had them at six and two. Then no, sorry, five and two. Um, yeah. After that week, so yeah, those seven weeks they were at five and two, and that they were squarely in the playoff hunts at five and two. And then after Jameis went out, they lost five straight games. So I think that speaks to actually. Ironically enough, I think you're actually proving your your point wrong here, or I guess Austin is proving his point right in that, you know, the offense designed for Jameis Winston and the team designed around him was actually performing pretty well. So um, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm i in the boat of – I'm a little bit biased because I am a coach, so I'm, I'm, I'm always <laughs> going to be in the coach's camp. Um, part of it also because I've seen – I, I've seen talent get wasted. Um, this I'm not going to go on this tangent, but AAU basketball is the biggest ripoff ever. If any of you are paying your, you know, AAU leagues to have your kids in them, pull them out now. You're wasting your money. Um, I don't like it. I've seen, I've seen JV kids destroy these AAU teams, and I kind of wonder why these parents are paying all this money to go watch them do that. It's um, PR. So that's what it is. I, yeah, it's but maybe that's I guess that's what it is, and they're somehow claiming that they have more talent. But you know what? To be honest, though, these kids actually do have more talent. They just aren't being coached properly, um, yeah. and it's because these AAU people are just taking their money and not actually coaching them the right way. But that's a whole other topic for a whole other time. So let's talk about a little bit. I know we talked about NFL playoffs. Let's talk about fantasy playoffs. Um, like Faisal mentioned in our other league, Faisal. Managed to beat me out and by about, I think, 35 points or whatever. I think it was like 40 points and managed to sneak into the sixth spot and get in the playoffs. Um, in this league, Faisal, I am number one by a landslide. Uh, we also have weekly power rankings, which I'm also number one by a landslide. Um, I don't even know if there's points for the power rankings, but I don't care because I'm assuming that I'm number one by a landslide. If I'm not, Zane, we got new beef, not just Austin, too. Um <laughs> So, um, so in this league, I am actually doing well. I just want to hear your thoughts, though. Fantasy playoffs. Um, I got a buy this week in the only league that I actually made it in. Uh, Austin, I believe you're playing. No, you are out. Nope. Sorry, I am out. Um, yep. Are you in Thanks any for other leagues? Or... <laughs> you know what? I to- I told you that you should have been a hardcore buyer if you won that game, and you and you didn't go out and buy. And I don't know what to tell you. No. So, um, are are you in the playoffs in any other leagues or no? I am 0 for 3, and I think I ended up 9th in this league. I ended up 9th – sorry, I ended up 11th in a 14-team league, and I ended up 5th in an 8-team league. So okay. missed playoffs in all of them. Well, except ours by one spot. Okay. So, so Faisal, it's the worst with, kind of season where I'm competitive but not good. <laughs> so, Faisal, with that sad thing is how you made the playoffs in the other league, do you have thoughts on – how do you feel about the playoffs? Do you want to face – a certain seed when you get into the playoffs. Like for me, I actually kind of wished I had dropped from the one seed to the two seed. Cause I feel like the three seed is actually falling and that the four seed is actually rising. I feel like it's kind of like that way where the teams that sneak into the playoffs are actually the ones that are rising at the end of the season. So you kind of want to avoid them. What's your thought on that? No, I just think it's straight up matchups. Like for instance, the who's playing who that week. Like, I am playing Jonathan Taylor this week, but he's playing the Patriots defense. So I'm actually happy. If I'm going to take Jonathan Taylor to play him, you know, it's never fun to play him, but at least I got him on the week that he's going to play Belichick and the Patriots. So I I, I do see your point about rising because then you know certain players are hot. They're connecting well. Um, That is scary. And I do agree. If I had to pick, I'd 
first way I would always think is matchups. You know, like, is this a difficult matchup for this player? Um, I'd want to play them. Um, and then the second thing would be, uh, is this team rising? Um, is this backup hurt and they have now on their flex the, the, the starter? Or is the starter hurt and now their flex is the backup and he'll only be a starter this week? You know, those kind of things, because that's what happened with Melvin. Like, he got Sony Michelle in there. That did make the okay. difference, you know. Uh, but again, I, I snuck in into the playoffs. So that's my perspective. So, so, so when you make your team, then, do you consider matchups as far as the players you decide to draft then? Is that something – like, when, they, when they're playoff – like weeks 15, 16, 17, whatever it, for this year, do you, do you look at that and go, Hey, look, I want to have a player with a better matchup or is it just kind of coincidence or. No, I do this. Uh, if I know like in my leagues that I'm making the playoffs, I will stash p- people on my bench that have favorable matchups, like 16, 17, 18, especially defenses. Like I got defenses on my bench that are going to play the jets, uh, like the dolphins and things like that, because that does matter. I mean, the only reason I, I made the playoffs, I think, is because I picked up Titans defense and they gave me 21 points because Lamar, as you know, went down, gave me one point. Um, so I do plan ahead, especially in my bench spots, um, because, since, you know. OK, so since you brought up defense, this is actually I like that you brought it up because it's actually been a discussion. And it was a discussion in the offseason in our league. Um, I know someone I think it was Nudie. Nooney's just trying to get rid of every spot. I think he wants to just do like <laughs> two spots or three spots and be like, hey, you got a quarterback, wide receiver, and running back, and that's it. Let's just do three spots and call it a day. Um, I, I don't know why Nooney wants to get rid of every single position, but he does. Um, Austin, let me ask you, since Faisal brought up, you know, selecting defenses that are doing well, how do you, where's, what's your stance on the defense position? And then also, how do you look at it? Do you look at it the same way as Faisal? Are you just sticking with one defense? What are you doing? So I think I'm a sucker for punishment because I really like the defensive position, but I can count on two hands the number of games I've lost because I started a defense with negative points. Yeah, I have had terrible luck. But I, I love the defense wow. position. I think it's important uh, and it adds a wrinkle, uh, especially around sometimes like whether or not to start a defense. I generally stick with one go-to defense in a draft and then stream as needed. So like in our league, for example, I would prefer to have two defenses because streaming is not viable. But I do like to stream in general and where either the free agent budget is pretty high or – um, free agent pickups don't count, whatever it is. Um, and so I like to go, I like to ride the hot hand for two, three weeks at a time uh, until I find a stable defense. Ironically so enough, as, uh, I was yeah, going to say, ahead. our trade kind of bit me in the butt where I thought <laughs> that the Rams are going to be the hot play traded. Again, only give up a dollar. I'm not too worried about that, but started the Rams like two or two or three weeks in a row and the Chiefs did better than every single week. Uh, and they've yet to outperform the Chiefs, which I thought was my Achilles heel in terms of players on my team. So so just to clarify for people who aren't in our league, just so you know, it costs a dollar for every transaction. Um, and we don't have like unlimited, you know, waiver pickups or whatever. So people do kind of have to budget a little bit more. So that's why streaming, depending on how you decide to budget, may or may not be um, as applicable to you. Uh, I'm in the same boat as both of you. I love defenses. I feel like it adds strategy and um, especially in our league, right, where you can't necessarily stream them every week, depending on your budget. Um, I feel like it adds a real strategy to think about what defenses you want and or kind of like Faisal mentioned, you know, if there's a certain stretch of games where you can catch, you know, maybe the defense is playing the Jets and the Giants and the Dolphins or something like that. Like I think the Bills were doing that at one point. So I tried to get their defense from Gibson wouldn't trade him to me, so I just traded away my team for nothing just to piss him off because he was trying to ask for too much. Um, so I think I gave it to Tarek for Pittsburgh defense, which ended up sucking, but whatever. I still made the playoffs. Um, but I'm, I'm big on defenses. I think the strategy is huge. I would like to see defenses kept. Um, I'm glad Faisal agrees with us. He's unbiased, um, shaking his head right now. So um, I, I think I, it's I a good – it's a good wild card, like defenses. I, I like the idea of getting rid of kickers. I think that's just it, – it's all over the, the map. But defenses, I think, is, is more strategic and uh, 
it's a good way to to boost the team, you know. So um, yeah, I like it. And I think, I think I think the defense also adds from a points perspective, like you mentioned, right? Part of it is there's strategy there, but it also adds like actual significant amount of points. But like Austin said, it also can take away points, which is why I kind of like it because it adds that little bit of that wrinkle of you don't know what's going to happen with this defense each week deal. So, Like the Bills um, were the best defense for like the first seven weeks, I think. And they've had some real duds in the last four or five weeks. Yeah, they've had some. I think they had they well because they also had an injury too, right? I think Tre'Davious White out for the season, right? Yeah. So that that kind of hurts them a little bit when you're, one of your top cornerbacks goes out. Uh, definitely hurts the way that your defense can play and how aggressive they can play. But that leads me into kind of the next topic. Um, you know, injuries, how they impact the team. Not quite the same as injuries, but COVID. Um, I know last week they talked about it more from a perspective of where do we see this going in society and all that stuff. We've got our very own doctor, um, like I said, soon to be cardiologist, um, soon to be a big shot. So we kind of just want to get pick pick his brain, get his opinion about COVID and how, you know, the impacts on fantasy. And obviously, I think we saw an uptick uh, this past Monday, was it, right? Where they had something like, what was, Faisal, do you know the number or how many, what was? No, I, I just know it was a ton of NFL players and coaching 37. staff. 37. 37 on Monday and yeah. you know I, I, I'm not gonna add a whole lot to uh, you know the discussion that had that happened earlier with a show um, and company but all I want to s- tell the public is I think this is a good way I feel like sports is a good way to measure how co- how much COVID is spreading or not and I think we were doing okay for a while but then all of a sudden this uptake also represents what we're seeing in society and public in general, especially what we're seeing on the hospital side. So I saw it coming a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I was like, man, my list of people on my list were growing. Um, and some of the people I knew were, you know, so I went out there and I, I, I got my booster. That's what I would encourage people to do is, uh, you know, I was sitting around and, um, you know, just making excuses to be honest, not getting my booster, but, as soon as I saw the uptake in numbers and people getting, I, I was like, you know, I got to go get it that day. And then I was being lax on wearing my mask. You know, I, doctors are humans also. We don't like wearing our masks all the time either. We have to do it all day, every day. Um, but, you know, I, I stopped being lax and I now only take it off when I'm in my office. So I think those are the two things where a max, wear a mask and get vaxxed is the message. Um, um. I, I was going to say, I, I, looked, so I, I think I looked up the article. I think it said that, that that 37 number made the total number for the NFL like 100. I think that was what yeah. they said the number was. Um, and so if you look at that, I mean, what is the active roster? Like 3,600 across the entire – is that right? No. Uh, 53 times 20. 53 32. times 32. 1696. So out of, out of 1696. So out, out of that, 100 players are on the list, which is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. That's yeah. for this upcoming weekend, right? So um, that's that's a lot. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, kind of going back to our previous point. Yeah, go, going back to our previous point about looking at bad matchups or good matchups before the season starts. Yes. There's maybe a reason not to, but the Browns have half their starters on the COVID list and 18 players total. So, and as of right now, they're going through with the game. So that might be a game where, you know, the Browns-Raiders matchup is not really a favorable one for the Raiders, but it might be what they needed where the Browns are a shell of their team. You know what? So speaking of which, because I'm glad you mentioned that, because that maybe that will be something that gets considered you know, in future implications. I know Ashok tried it this year, um, and maybe you'll see more teams do it, because I always avoided Philadelphia Eagles players. Um, Except for the quarterback, obviously this year I took Jalen Hurts because he can run, but obviously he's injured. All of a sudden, you know, week twelve or whatever. Hopefully he comes back. Um, but I always avoid Philadelphia Eagles players every year, and I'm not. I'm, I've been doing fantasy for I don't even know how long. Eagles players or wide receivers, running backs, doesn't matter position, skill position, tight end, always injured, always every year. Their wide receivers always get injured. Their running backs always get injured. Tight ends get injured. Quarterback. Can't even stay on the field. So I had to have Nick Foles on the field. I mean, they got lucky with him. So I don't know if going forward that might be something I consider. Like, 
just as far as, you know, when I draft my team as like, is a team in general, like, or an organization in general, maybe too relaxed or not taking it seriously enough where my fantasy players from a fantasy perspective, obviously my, my players could be in jeopardy, right? Like, do I avoid the Cleveland Browns altogether because maybe their organization just doesn't seem to care. Or maybe I avoid the chargers. Not that I could get them because Rishi will probably take them anyway, but (laughs) but still like, do I avoid those teams altogether and say, you know what? I'm just not taking a player on that team because I don't believe that organization does a good job of caring about, you know, what's going on, you know, with injuries and and what's going on with player safety and their, and their players and whatnot. I don't know. That might be something to consider going forward. Do you guys see yourselves changing kind of the way you would draft next year, knowing this, assuming that this may be still something that impacts, you know, week to week play? I'll let you take this one, Faisal. I'm still thinking about my response. Yeah, I mean, for sure, a thousand percent. I mean, I would go uh, vaccinated players for sure. I mean, I just think in fantasy, you don't want to even lose a single week. You know, like one game can get you in and then you can go on a run. And I don't want to be put in a position where because somebody got, you know, COVID, they're out. Because uh, this is what sucks and what I'm realizing. And I think a lot of healthcare workers are realizing it doesn't seem like this is going to go away. And it's a tough pill to swallow. But every time we think it's going to go away, it comes back. And it's we're frustrated. You know, we wish things were done the right way the first time or the second time, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> I think, I, I don't think it's going away. I'm sorry for being pessimistic, but I was optimistic for two years now. Uh, but that's my strategy. What's yours? Austin? Your, your, I was going to say your sentiment echoes what both Ashok and Toby said is that they don't see it going away ever either. And they, I, and forgive me Ashok and Toby, if I'm wrong about this, but they kind of paraphrase, I'm going to paraphrase them. Um, as you know, I think they were saying that hopefully this just kind of gets to the point though, at some point where it's similar to the flu, where I think they said like the flu kills about 20 to 60,000 people a year. I don't know if that was the right number. Yep. Um, yeah, don't quote me on the, don't quote, don't quote me on the numbers, but that's what a show um, said. So you're just quoting him. Okay. All right. Well then there you go. Um, so I think that was what he said. So if, if COVID can kind of get to, you know, as callous as that sound to that level, I think is what they mentioned. Um, Austin, I'm going to kick it to you actually, um, but not about COVID, about something a little bit different. Um, cause we're talking about, you know, how we look at things next year. Um, I think you mentioned you had some ideas for maybe potential rule changes. And I think last time we had a podcast with, with Anand, um, he was the judge on a potential rule change because he was unbiased. I like that we have Faisal here. He's pretty avid on fantasy football, but also unbiased because he's not in our league. So he doesn't really care one way or another about what happens. Um, so I'd yeah. like to get his opinion on your potential rule changes. So why don't you go ahead and take it away? I, I don't, I actually don't even know what rule change ideas you have. So go yeah. ahead. So it's technically not a rule change. It's just, I was listening to the podcast last week and Zane was talking about how he wants to make his life more complicated um, and so that reminded me of a, a work league that I was in <clears throat> that a friend ran and he, uh, he had the most comp like that was probably similarly complicated to this league in terms of being the commissioner. It's crazy. Um, but he basically did a weekly side pot, um, where every week before the season, before the season, every week would have a different thing. So it'd be like, uh, greatest scores combined from wide receivers or running backs or defense, or it could be like. In, if we had a flex spot, then just the flex spot. Um, it could be greatest bench points, whatever it is. And so like every week there'd be a different target and you could choose whether or not you want to enter that week. Uh, and so regardless of if you were in the playoff race, if you're in the playoffs, out of the playoffs, if you wanted to have like some sort of side action, every week could mean something. It could mean like at, at least four people, I want to say in a 10 person league joined every week. Usually it was about like, six to eight. And so you can still make some money on the league even if your team isn't maybe performing the way that you expected at the beginning of the season. I love that idea. I would actually, I know you said in your other league, it wasn't required. I would almost say, Hey, let's just make it as part of a, 
as either part of the buy-in or or whatever and just say, hey, look, instead of saying you you get the choice to buy in, just maybe just every week. So before the season, we designate each week is this thing, right? So you can prepare your team. If, if you care enough about the side actions rather than, um, you know, whatever, I don't know why you would, but that way you can yeah. prepare your team that way. And we just say, hey, look, you're going to do that as part of the buy-in or not. So um, I love that idea. Faisal, have you ever had anything like that in any of your leagues or have you ever done something like that? Yeah, this is supposed to be my moment to shine, man. Unbiased <laughs> judge. <laughs> you- <laughs> well, he said it's not a rule change, so, you know. This is what I'm getting paid a thousand bucks for. Um, this is why I'm your nemesis. I'm stealing your <laughs> Exactly. Spotlight. Now you guys know why we fight all the time. <laughs> He's like, oh, it's so nice having you, impartial judge. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and answer this question. <laughs> but no, I, I, I uh, you know, it's shocking when Kieran and I agree with each other. I think there's only been one per- previous time in our relationship we've agreed, and this is going to be the second time. Um, no, I love the idea. I I actually also think it should be required. I think, um, you know, it's a good way of people who are out to still participate, pick up players, because that's always this, the tough part is engagement. But um, no, I really like it. And to make some money, even, even if you're out. Uh, so Austin, I think it's a great idea. You guys should definitely do it. Um, yeah. And I think the team that scores the most points should pick the whatever it should be. So they get some sort of reward out of it too. Hmm. Interesting. I was going to say one thing I don't like is rewarding the high. One of my other leagues, the highest score of the week also gets like a small portion of the pot. I think it's like 2% or something like that. So they get like five bucks or two bucks every week, which is nice in theory. But then usually the team that's winning, like the teams that are good are the ones getting the weekly pot anyways. So it doesn't really help with the engaging everyone, regardless of how your team is doing. But I do like that the highest scorer does get to pick something, or like there is something around that that's incentivizing. So do you have a? a is that was that the only kind of rule idea? Because honestly, if that's the rule idea, I think I think most people would, and I'm going to speak for everybody. I think most people would be intrigued by that idea or interested in that idea because it it is it's about as random as fantasy football is right. Where you pick maybe it's yeah. each week or whether it's wide receivers, running backs, quarterback, whatever flex that's about as random as you can get, which is fantasy football. So whether you're a, you know, three and four team, seven and one or, or one and six at that point in the season, it, it shouldn't matter because you could still from a random perspective, get that wide receivers top spot and get, you know, part of that side pot or side action. So, um, yeah. Any other ideas? On that the other rule different? change I was thinking of—I mean, it's already a rule for this year, and it was kind of a rule last year. But I think I'd like—I like having the multiple IR spots. I think we should prevent the abuse of it. But I think that making it a permanent <laughs> two or three or whatever—I'm <laughs> not naming any names—but <laughs> making it like a permanent <laughs> two or three is is a good idea, especially if we're going to have long-term contracts and dropping a player means they're off your team forever even if they're on a long-term contract just makes sense i know i'll i'll just say personally i felt very um frustrated by my team i think i had i I was looking back at the team that i drafted and six of them ended up on the ir at some point this season um two basically for the entire season um and so it's just like that would be a frustrating team to hold on to where i want to say four of the players that signed long-term we're on the IR, um, or at least startable players around the IR. So it'd be very hobbling to carry around basically a bench of IR and then try to put together starters on top of that from the waiver pool or free agent pool. So you want to keep the IR spots, is that right? Yes, yes. Okay. So Basil, let me, I'll explain this to you real quick and then you can uh, give your input on how you feel about this. Because I think there has been some, a little bit of back and forth discussion on this in our league. So with our league, there's cap space and there's multi-year deals, right? So you can sign a player to one, two or three years with a multi-year deal. You're stuck with that player. Right. And so I think originally we only had one IR spot. Right. Um, And then there was discussion about expanding it because what happens if you sign a player to a multi-year deal and they get injured in week one or two of the season or whatever, and you're required to keep them, in that IR spot for the whole season. And then if you have anybody else that goes on IR, 
they're now taking up a bench spot, um, which obviously bench spots are limited. So then you can't pick up anybody else. And so I think the decision was made that we were going to expand the IR to, I think it's three spots right now. Um, maybe it's unlimited. I don't remember, but I thought it was three. That's three. Um, yeah. So three spots right now, but we have seen on some occasions, people kind of just pick up a player just to put them in their IR. <clears throat> Nardo. Um, so, so, so there's been some discussions about that. Plus there's also been players put on IR, but then when they're off IR, they haven't been removed from there. So they're still stashing that bench spot um, and just not changing their roster which for our league has a secondary implication in that if you pick up a player during the season, you can designate them as a restricted free agent. So basically when it comes around and we had that little mini draft pool for the, for those restricted free agents, you reserve the right to match. Um, So given all that, how do you feel about, should a team have to just hold on to that? Should they be able to kind of drop them into one of these IR spots? What do you think? is kind of the most fair way or how do you see it? Yeah. So I think, uh, I I can, I have a pretty unique perspective on this because my whole team was on IR (laughs) this past year in one of my (laughs) leagues. I I had McCaffrey, I had Chris Carson, I had Clyde Edward-Alaire. I had all of these guys on IR and a couple other people. And there were no, there were no IR spots in this league. And I was sitting there frustrated because my whole bench was IR. And you know, I didn't know who was going to come back when, et cetera. So I, but in the other league, like you were saying, um, in Rishi's league, you had, uh, I think unlimited IR spots and you could do, you know, what's going on in your league in that keeping players there, even though they're not in IR, uh, but it would restrict you picking up players. So I, I think you can definitely, you know, abuse the system. So there needs to be checks. I think three spots are pretty good. But trying to limit, you know, abuse and I, I don't think it shouldn't it shouldn't it, it should not be allowed to pick up free agents or IR to stash them and then once they're off IR that you cannot have them in that spot. But if you have good players like McCaffrey or Derrick Henry go on IR and you might have a string of injuries like your top three are out or four, you know, you need those spots. And so, but how do you police? You know, abuse is, is a tough question, and uh, and I think that's going to be the hurdle. But I like IR spots. I was very upset at my other league when I didn't. It made my life very difficult, and I ended up 4-9. and nine. I just didn't want to drop McCaffrey and all of those. It's hard decisions to drop your, your good players. So one of the uh, discussions, I think Rishi was texting about this with Ashok and myself, um, was also kind of – does IR mean they have to actually be on IR or is it, if a player's out, is that okay? Based based on our designation, right? Um, Cause I know Yahoo's rules technically dictate that if anybody's out for that week, you can put them in the IR spot. Do you guys yeah. have a strong opinion about that or do you care? Very strong. I, I'm okay with Yahoo's. I, I'm okay with Yahoo's. <laughs> no, I'm not out, okay. Put them in there. No, I think I think the commissioner has to really make the decision because Yahoo is very dumb at times. Gronk was definitely out, and they said not out. So I couldn't pick up a player. He had to use one of my bench spots, and then he was out like five. Like literally they said on his Yahoo thing, you opened it, and it said he's out, but Yahoo was not counting him as out, and I couldn't pick up another player. It was ridiculous, and I texted you guys about this. So – I think these apps sometimes are unreasonable and I don't know how they're, and it could be a couple hour delay even that can screw you out of a player. Um, so I do think, you know, there are instances where I think that, could, you know, you can trust these apps, whatever app you're using, but sometimes you need somebody to step in and say, this is, this is blatantly dumb. Like this guy is not on IR, you know, clearly he's coming back or this guy is clearly out and you can use this IR spot. But it can be too much in a certain instances. I get it, but um, I would use these apps, but then also, you know, you can appeal and the commissioner should be reasonable and overall. Okay. So a little bit more work for Zane. I like that. I mean, we're all nemesis of Zane anyway. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, speaking of being out, um, I know a lot of people are 
going out for the holidays. We're kind of getting near the uh, one hour mark. So, um, you know, our little outro, we had some ideas. I know Faisal wanted to talk about it too. So um, we were talking about, you know, holidays. Is there anything random or fun that you either have done recently or things that you find that are fun to do with the family for the holidays? I know Faisal had a story of something that was unexpected. Faisal, you want to take that? Yeah, no, I went to uh, see one of my good friend's kids recently, and he's a big Nerf gun fan. And, you know, kids, he's like four-ish, and he's always on steroids, it feels like. or um, <laughs> So he wants to just hot play, you know, have Nerf gun fights. I'm like, you know what, let's go. I'll entertain you. And I, to- I had more fun than that kid. I was shooting his dad, <laughs> you know, protecting him with shields, throwing swords, and I couldn't believe how much fun it was. There was like at least 10 guns. And these guns, I don't know if you've used them. They're fun and they, they hurt. They're strong. They yeah. There's some good some guns out are, there. Yeah. So, some of so, them have like some really fast triggers too. Yeah. So, uh, you know, as far as what I do this year, I'm a chief resident. So I'm part of the faculty. And they asked me, what do you want to do for our wellness half day or holiday wellness half day? And I was like, watch Die Hard and have a massive Nerf gun fight. <laughs> <laughs> and they they loved the Nerf gun idea, not the Die Hard idea, which I was shocked by. But yeah, today I'm not kidding. Today we had a massive Nerf gun fight, and it was so much fun. And they all had fun. So I would encourage you out get go out get some Nerf guns. Um, they're not that expensive. I just bought a couple really nice ones for twelve bucks. And go shoot your family and friends <laughs> <laughs> with Nerf guns, people. With Nerf guns. Yeah. Uh, we at the the Gridiron Fourth One podcast do not condone actual violence. <laughs> Nerf violence, totally fine though. Um, Austin, do you want to take it, or do you want me to go on the next one? So, uh, no, I, I can I can take this. I will second okay. Nerf gun fights. We used to do that. At the I worked for a startup for a little bit, and that was just like a thing we did. Uh, just ran like that mid afternoon lull hits and you're just like random nerf gun fight and it was great. Or it would just be like really one or two and it would just perk up the office a little bit, one or two shots. Um, but for those families that are like mine, maybe and a little bit less uh, gun happy uh, or maybe more gun averse is what I should say. <clears throat> I had a couple board game suggestions that I had. Um, so this is actually my sister's favorite board game, which Henley played for the first time sometime last year around this time. Um, but Ticket Ride, there's lots of different variants, but uh, I would recommend either Europe or uh, America as, I think, the two most fun to play. But it's kind of like turn. It's like, kind of like Catan, but you can only do one thing at a time, like on a given turn. So I feel like it makes it adds a little bit more strategy. No one's really ever out of the game. And there's a little bit of suspense and secret because the goal that you're going for is like only you can see it. I don't want to give too much away, but I think it's a really fun game. It's easy to pick up. I was able to play it with, I mean, like a 10 year old. And I was, I mean, I had fun too. I'm 30. Um, <laughs> another good game. So ticket to ride is like a four to six player game. If you have a larger family or maybe it's like, you know, your Christmas gatherings or like a bunch of your cousins, whatever. Uh, One night werewolf is a great game. I think very underrated. Um, I, I think actually we played it at, a gridiron gathering for the first time or maybe a pre-grid gathering yeah we did um so you can play i think up to 14 or 15 but it's kind of like mafia but everyone has a role so if you played avalon or um mafia it's kind of like a mix of the two but the game is pre-recorded so there's a very definitive start and an end everyone has a role no one's really out of the game so like everyone's invested in it i think it's a good way um to kill a few hours really because the roles change every game you can i mean there's a lot of strategy a lot of thinking potentially a lot of fighting um but a lot of intrigue and a lot of replayability so for the more board game oriented families i feel like those are two very solid suggestions if you haven't played them yet okay i I like that idea um i because i coach high school have been involved in a Nerf gun fight more often than I probably should be as an adult. Um, <laughs> there's no such thing, Kieran. There's, I guess there's no such thing. I will 100% agree with Faisal, though. It's the fun. You'd be surprised at how much fun you have. I feel like it's just 
you don't think it's going to be as much fun. You're like, all right, fine, whatever, I'll do this. But, but like, Fizzle's right, though. Also, like, the new Nerf guns and stuff like that. And there was, like, even a Nerf, um, like, an archery uh, bow and arrow. Oh, my God, that thing hurts. If you actually <laughs> pull the trigger on that, <laughs> my God, it leaves a welt. And I'm not kidding about that. But, like, the things that they're coming up with this stuff is, like, it is a lot of fun. It's so much fun to to try to do that stuff. And kind of, it brings that brings back a little bit of that, like, when you were a kid and you kind of just, you didn't have to worry about anything else. And you weren't thinking about, like, work or, like, other life struggles and stuff like that. And it's just like, hey, we're in this. We're going to play for, like, 15 or 20 minutes really intense. And we're going to go hard. And that's all that matters right now. Um, so definitely, definitely improve with that. Um, really glad Faisal brought that up. I... For games, I know Rishi kind of talked about it for around the holidays. I'm going to talk about um, – so there's one thing we do um, – So like, and I think Rishi talked about one of the games that we played for tennis that we do with our kids. We do a bunch of different games, right? Like there will be the sculpture game where – you know, I, I'm not going to get into detail about it, but like – or the psychiatrist game and stuff like that. Um, but then for, you know, for Christmas – um, at my sister's house. So there's two things. One, she requires that you bring an ornament. Otherwise you don't get to eat dinner. So you got to bring your own ornament every year. So that's how she actually has built up her tree, which is kind of cool. I like that idea. Um, cause then it's also like personal. Everybody kind of brings their own touch to the tree. Um, and then the other thing she does is it's either before or after dinner. Usually, um, there's like a taste testing, a blind taste testing. So one year it was like all the different Gatorade flavors. They were in like these little mini shot, like, like, um, shot glass cups. And you just took a, took a swig and you had to guess like what flavor it was. And then you also had to rank how high up or down you thought the flavor went. And so like everybody in my family hated cool blue, worst flavor of Gatorade out there. Um, but I think the flavor we thought was the, I can't even remember the best flavor because it wasn't one that we all thought it would be. Um, it was like one of those random like mixes of flavors that they have at the store. Um, so Gatorade's one of them. Cheeses is another one. I think last year we did chocolates. Um, so like different flavored chocolates. I think somehow orange flavored chocolate was – it wasn't the best one, but it, a lot of people liked it for some reason. Um, and so like you can do all these different things and anybody can do them, right? Like so – and that's the best part is you kind of get everybody around the table talking about like, hey, how do you like this or how do you like that? And everybody's trying to guess too, not just the type, but the brand as well. So like that was the other thing too, is like there's going to be, if you do it blind, there's going to be some brands that surprise you about how bad they are and how good they are. And they don't match like public perception at all. Like it's all media that's been training you to think this way. And then when you do it blind, it kind of like blows your mind that, that this is, whoa, like this generic brand of chocolate is definitely way better than this $20 bar of chocolate. Um, so I really like that. I'm glad she does that. Um, I know she doesn't listen to this podcast and Rishi's the only one. So I'm actually surprising her for Christmas. She doesn't know that I'm going down to Florida. She thinks the whole family's going down except for me. Cause I told her I wasn't going down. I actually bought a flight recently down there. So I'm gonna try to swing down there for two days. Um, so I'm looking forward to what this year's taste test will be. I don't know if she hasn't told us yet what it is, but, uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, with that said, uh, last question for both of you before we wrap it up. Um, Austin, where are you going for the holidays? Uh, I know you're in Virginia, but are you going with, uh, I will be in Chicago. Nope. I'll be in Chicago starting from the 21st to the 27th. So anyone in Chicagoland area, hit me up or I will hit you up if you're lazy. Okay. All right. Sounds good. And Faisal, what about you for the holidays? Are you in Milwaukee? Where are you at? No, I'm going to split time. I'm actually going to Virginia. For five days, hang out with oh, my what? uncle, cousins, my, my, <laughs> yeah, Austin. <laughs> I was coming to surprise Austin, actually. <laughs> Austin didn't know this. <laughs> I was I'm going to bring a box of chocolates for him to try, but I guess I'm, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. My uncle's there, my cousin's there, my grandma's there, and uh, I'm going to go spend half the time with them and then uh, half the time in Chicago, Milwaukee, so. I'm super excited. All right. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully, at some point you manage to catch Austin. Then, if you can, <laughs> one of the one of those days, and maybe I'll be able to catch Austin too before I I go to Florida. So we'll see. If maybe maybe all three of us at one point can catch each other. Um, <laughs> although, although I already saw Faisal last weekend, so I don't know if I want to see more of Faisal. But um, definitely see if I can catch Austin. Um, hopefully, our 
our regular hosts are back. Faisal, you were phenomenal. Great job. I know I stole some of your thunder. That was intentional. Um, but yeah, Faisal, do you, are you raising your hand? Do you have something to say? Yes. I, this feature, we use it all the time. But <laughs> no, I just want to thank you guys again for inviting me. It was an honor, a pleasure. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think I had a whole lot of words of wisdom, but it was fun talking to you guys and doing this. This is a cool thing you guys are doing. Major props to whoever's setting this up, coordinating this, editing this, um, and inspiring you guys. But no, this is awesome. I love hearing you guys, and I'm so excited to see where this goes. And I'm so excited to see who wins. You know, hopefully not Kieran, not the Packers and not Kieran. That's the, that's, that's the holiday that's the wish Always. and dream. <laughs> that, that's that's what you want for Christmas, isn't it? Oh, that's man. exactly right, what okay. I want. That's that's your Christmas wish, wish, Mister Grinch. Okay. Um. Yeah. All right. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> um. Faisal, I hope you lose in the other league. Um. Austin, you don't have a league to lose in, so no. you know. Hopefully, I'm, you're rooting I'm, for I'm, me. I already lost. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Hopefully, you're rooting for me. So. Um. All right. I think I think we're gonna wrap that up. Then. Great job, guys. Both of you. Uh. And for everybody else, I know Rishi does like every single holiday. I'm just going to say happy holidays because I don't know all of the holidays and I don't plan on looking all of them up. So enjoy your holidays. Enjoy the new year. And um, if if me and Austin and Faisal don't see you again, hopefully we'll see you in uh, 2022. Happy holidays, Over. folks. Happy holidays. Peace Bye, out. guys. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.